You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Welcome, welcome everybody to Feel Good Friday. I'm your host, Trey Holiday, and I will that you are all feeling good on this kind of rainy, wet Friday. It's all good. We definitely got feel good vibes in the building. I'm so excited for today's show, as always, because you guys know we're going to be bringing on some guests that are doing amazing things. Later on in the show, I get to bring up my girl, my sis, Cindy Brothers. Cynthia Brothers, as you guys know her, I call her Cindy, bro. So she'll be in the building we'll be talking about all things vanishing seattle and we're going to be ending the show with our buddies from weird at night patrick galactic is in the building oh yes weird at night is definitely gonna keep us weird today on this friday so excited to have both of them in the building but let's get right to it so we can leave some room for our guests today i just want to thank you guys for joining us on these ill good fridays of course right now is a perfect time for you to tag and share the stream please tag and share Share this stream with people you feel could benefit from some feel good Friday energy that's emanating right here out of the rainy city in the Pacific Northwest. But that's okay. We're keeping the feel good vibes going alive and well. And we really appreciate y'all for tagging and sharing because I'm telling you right now, I'm in the community and so many people are appreciating what we're doing here at Converge Media out of the Black Media Matter Studios. So be encouraged to share the stream today. Um, of course, for those of you who cannot watch Feel Good Friday, you guys could also listen to Feel Good Friday anywhere that you find your favorite podcast. Just search Converge Media Network. Uh, Salman is putting SoundCloud in the links right there, but you also can find us on Google, Spotify, iTunes, literally anywhere that you are listening to your favorite podcast. And we appreciate all of our podcast listeners out there. We are getting people from all over the world listening to our shows right here at Converge Media. So we appreciate all of you for tuning in and, and benefiting from all the work that we're doing over here. Uh, we're keeping this message alive and well as well. Uh, Hereforuswa.org is a great resource in terms of all things COVID. I mean, we say this every day. It's because it's still here, you guys. I know people who are still catching COVID, whether they had the vaccine or not, it is still spreading. And I don't know if there's a new variant out there, but some people are saying there might be some issues with the home test because they have all the symptoms of COVID, yet the home tests are not showcasing that. So I'll just say we haven't heard that officially, but it's one of those things that I'm hearing out there in community. So be careful. Go to hereforuswa.org. Get the information you need. If you are still hesitant about the vaccine, we understand because we're all moving and grooving with this information as it comes out. And I think it's hitting us all in these very unique ways, yet in, a, in, in the same ways, right? We have lost loved ones. We see people getting sick. We have to take care of one another. Um, I'm seeing a wide variety of of ways that, you know, COVID restrictions are happening out there in communities, um, you know, whether, you know, venues are asking that you stay masked up or certain businesses are still asking you to wear the mask, even though it's no longer, you know, a mandate by the state. Uh, we're seeing this all over. And as Omari was reporting earlier this week uh, from down south, down there in Texas, he's like, hey, there's none of that language happening down here in terms of masks and wearing those masks. So we know that there's a wide variety of ways that this information is hitting all of the states out here throughout the United States. So I think hereforuswa.org is a great way for you to be informed. Also, cultural um, 
knowledge, cultural communication and content that has been, you know, intentionally built by black curators and listening and talking to black community members. So, you know, check out that resource, you guys. Um, I want to uh, just mention a couple of things that are happening um, this weekend, I get to MC Soul of a Woman 3. That is happening on Sunday, Mother's Day at the Federal Way Performing Arts and Events Center. And let me tell you guys, the very uh, last time that we did this show, I mean, Anthony Tibbs and Dope Culture Events has been doing amazing events throughout the Pacific Northwest and beyond. And I, I got to tell you, there is some amazing talent that's going to be showcased on Sunday. There's still some tickets available. You guys make sure you go to the link, uh, you know, so I'm on, put the flyer up, but you guys can find um, these tickets. If you just search soul of a woman three um, at the federal way uh, arts and event center, um, you know, and I'll say that, it's a beautiful thing to see, you know, shows like this uh, being uh, put in South King County. It's like there's so many of our families that have flooded South King County because of gentrification in Seattle Central District and the South End in particular. But really, gentrification is spreading all over the place here throughout the state. But it's just a great thing to know that we have a cultural events that are happening and in federal way where so many families live. I mean, federal way has 14% black families. And the idea that, you know, right there in your, you know, in your city, you can go for many, it's in the heart of federal way too. So go down the block, check out this amazing showcase. They're going to be doing a tribute to Aretha Franklin, Aaliyah, Faith Evans, Mary J. Blige, and SWV. And I, I'm so honored that I get to host this and MC this again. So if you're trying to check your girl out, that's where I'll be on Sunday. The show starts at 4.30. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm looking forward to this talent because when you talk about voices, y'all, whoo-wee, there's some strong voices that are going to be hitting that stage and paying tribute to those amazing queens in song. Um, I also want to say that, you know, we had an interview uh, with Dr. Joy DeGruy, also with Miss B over at uh, Community Center for Education Results. They are putting on a symposium this weekend, Be the Healing Weekend. Salman is putting the link there in the comments if you still want to register for this event. Um, I just got to say, I, I really am so honored. I got to spend some time with Dr. Joy and Miss B and others from CCER and amazing folks throughout the community earlier this week. And I'm going to tell you, Dr. Joy's story is phenomenal. To be able to hear her perspective on why she felt the need and the push to write post-traumatic slave syndrome that has really gone global in terms of its best-selling um, ability, but also the, the lesson in the book, um, understanding how trauma is passed down from generation to generation. There's been so much more data and information that has come out. I think it's such a foundational piece of work. And to hear her story behind the reason why I was truly inspired. And, you know, one thing that she said that I want to repeat here is, um, you know, we all have our lane. And she's like, look, this is my lane. I'm going to rock my lane as best I can. I'm going to build this lane up as best I can. I'm going to be in my lane um, in the best ways I can. And 
it was so inspiring to me. You know, I, I am so appreciative of all of the hats that I wear in community, whether it's Converge, King County Equity Now, Africa Town, the fact that I'm in the community doing my lane, right? And being here to interview, to host, to be a spokesperson, to help craft new legislation and policy. I am elated that I get to do all of this work. And she uh, and her message uh, really inspired me to just remember, you know, not only am I having a good time while I'm doing this, but so much of it is exactly what I'm always encouraging you all out there to do in terms of being the solutions that you want to see, be a part of them. And I'm grateful that not only am I doing that, I want to lead by example. So, you know, we'll, we'll be talking later on in the show, you know, at the end about how our guests are doing just that, because I always want this audience to be inspired. Uh, lastly, I'll say I'm wearing a really cool sweatshirt right now. Um, I want to give a shout out to Haru Chayez Amen. You guys can check out, um, you know, all of the healing services that Haru has to offer on HaruChayezAmen.com. Um, Salman is putting that link in the comments too. This is a sweatshirt of his that I get to wear today. And I just got to experience amazing treatment through uh, Haru Chayez Amen, Haru Hills, um, phenomenal, phenomenal brother who is bringing amazing healing efforts to our community uh, through Qigong and meditation and all of these other healing metrics like acugraphs, things I did not know about. So I want to give a huge shout out to my bro, Haru Chayez Amen. He is doing some fantastic things in the community, and I'm so grateful to know his person and to be able to um, literally benefit from the healing that he is bringing out here to community. Um, I got to tell you guys, uh, every third Saturday, we're at the Liberty Bank building doing Qigong, um, and it's open to the public. We want to be sure that you all are benefiting from such an amazing meditative practice that is beyond meditation because it's moving the chi through your body. So shout out to you, Haruchai, as I'm in, and all of the work that you are doing. So, so grateful. All right, now, you guys, of course, we got to get to our guest today. I'm so excited to bring my sis from Garfield High School, Cynthia Brothers, onto the set after this short break. We're going to be talking about all things vanishing Seattle. We have some things that are vanishing, some things that are unvanished. Can't wait to dive in. Stay tuned after this short break. You're watching Feel Good Friday. As a non-binary black femme, a lot of my identity is rooted in body. Once the vaccine was introduced, it was really difficult to think in terms of safety as well as autonomy. As a black American, the relationship with government is very complicated. It's hard to trust. A lot of these conspiracies are really impacting people making a decision, especially with black folks to be clear about what we're doing. I think it's just a well-rounded conversation to see what's best for us. Hey there, it's Trey Holiday. And of course, Besa and I had to take a trip back to Market Street Shoes to grab some items. They always know what to show us. And let me tell you, we both spent quality time to be sure we collected some amazing additions to our wardrobes. They have some of the most unique bags, shoes, and accessories. I mean, the whole shebang. It's always a good time when I get to shop with my girl, Baker. Make sure you go check out Market Street Shoes, y'all, and you too can walk out with some dope gear. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Feel Good Friday. I'm your host, Trey Holiday. And joining me right now is my girl, my sis from another miss. 
Victor. <laughs> Cynthia Brothers in the building. What's up, Cindy, bro? Hey, Trey. How you doing? So good to see you. Good to see you, too, always. And I got to say, I, I, every time I see you, I'm like, how do you do it? Because keeping your ear to the ground with all of the changes that are happening in our city, I know it cannot be easy. Uh, for those who may not know what Vanishing Seattle is, just give us a brief overview about Vanishing Seattle. Yeah, uh, well, Vanishing Seattle is a project um, that I started in 2016 that basically documents and celebrates the spaces in Seattle that are disappearing, that have been displaced and priced out, um, the places that are the soul of the city. Um, and it is a lot. You know, the city's been changing uh, quite quickly, but I do have a lot of help from my followers and supporters who send me what they're seeing in their neighborhoods, send me pictures and stories and memories. So I have a lot of support there. Well, we just appreciate all the work happening at Vanishing Seattle because I'll say as a, as a Seattleite, it's important to me. I mean, you look up and you're like, wait a minute, all of these things have closed down and some of them I didn't even know. Like literally because of you, I got to celebrate one of my birthdays at Blue 99 at right there on the waterfront, right? Because you were oh, like, yeah. it's about yeah, to we close. Were there together. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we were Highway there. Highway 99 Blues Club. Yeah. Highway 99 mm -hmm. Blues Club. And I was like, what? I didn't even know about this place. I got to go there before they close. Like it, it wasn't even because I had history with it. It was because I knew how much of a historical marker it was for this city and it being right there at the waterfront. Mm -hmm. And it, oh my God, did we have such an amazing time with the Blues X there. But you're here to also share with us some new news. Tell us about some of the things going on. You got a whole list. And so we want to get into it. I know we have some photos, but mm -hmm. I'll let you go ahead and take it away. Sure. Well, yeah, I've got some um, spots to share with uh, viewers around places that have vanished recently, but I think it's also important to highlight places that are not vanishing, that are still around to support. And then there's also some, um, yeah, kind of success stories about places that have come back, that have come back from vanishing and are now unvanished. And those are some of my favorite spots to highlight. And I will say quickly, just talking about Highway 99 Blues Club, they've kind of reopened in a new form as the Belltown Yacht Club. In Belltown, um, in the back of Screwdriver. So folks should definitely check that out. We should go party down there sometime. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Thank you for mentioning yeah. that because now we got another place to go try out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I see, what is it? Hales? Uh, Hales Ales. Hales Ales. Yeah. There it is. Okay. There it is. <laughs> yeah. So Hales Ales, this was a tap room and brewery that was in kind of in between the Ballard and Fremont area. Um, they've been open for 40 years and just closed in April. And I think they were like the third oldest and longest running brewery in the Pacific Northwest, a uh, real trailblazer and innovator in terms of um, like independent craft brewing. Um, and they also had this amazing warehouse and performance space on the back of it called Hale's Palladium that was host to a lot of uh, music and festivals. Uh, they closed out. Um, their existence with the Moisture Festival, which was a good way to go out, but definitely, you know, a community hub and space had been around for a long time. People met their spouses, best friends, celebrated weddings. So yeah, a big part of the community, I think, you know, the past few years had been tough on them and with the pandemic, of course, um, and the founder, Mike Hale, retired. So 
yeah, that was a place that a lot of folks were um, sad to see go. Well, I mean, just looking at the photos of the Palladium, I was like, oh man, you already know there was probably some amazing showcases there. And, you know, T-Dub, art queen here at Converge, yeah. uh, talked about the Moisture Festival. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize that it was them kind of celebrating this 40-year existence here in the city as one of those staples of not just brewing, but also, as you say, this kind of, you know, space to showcase amazing talent and to bring people together. You know, uh, for me, there's something to be said about the history of spaces and new spaces can try to come in and, you know, you know, replicate it, but it's just never the same, particularly for those of us who have really experienced the energy and the unique characteristics of the space before it. So mm -hmm. this is, that's a sad one to see it go. You talk about 40 years, it's a lot of history. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, it's, um, yeah, I, I believe that places do absorb and hold energy that, yeah, it can be hard to replicate and, you know, replicate the energy and the communities that come together in those spaces. But, you know, we'll get into this a bit later, but I think, um, you know, if, if that same uh, intention and sense of community can come through in new spaces, I think that's definitely a win. And, you know, people who are affected are, or impacted by being in a space like the Palladium, hopefully they carry that with them and then maybe, yeah, create something new, so. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that, that to me is how it happens, right? Mm -hmm. Where you have, patrons of a space that then are like, you know what, I got the resources, I'm going to do something because that space was so important to me. That's how you carry it forward, I feel like, because you have to be there to experience it. Mm -hmm. You know, newer developers coming into a community just don't get that often, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I think that there has to be some um, really strong intentionality of newer developers to really connect with the communities that they're coming into in order to even attempt it. Uh, we, we see new spaces like, you know, what's happening at Midtown Center. We saw mm -hmm. it with Liberty Bank building there, but, but that's intentionally connecting with community organizations to ensure that that history is there and it's alive and well. I mm -hmm. mean, just going through the, the, uh, kind of park yard, basically that little yard that they have at the Midtown Center now. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, you know, there's some things here. Obviously the artwork on the outside, we got D. Charlene, we got a lot, mm -hmm. Dr. Mims is on their building. We got a lot of iconic, you know, black community members that are part of the artwork there. Um, and so now it's just about really how the residents relate to this history that they're gonna be living around, right? So that's really important. Uh, next yeah. up, I see the Paragon Seattle, yeah? Yeah, so the Paragon, this was a, a Queen Anne neighborhood staple for, I think, 28 years. Um, and yeah, it was a spot where a lot of local musicians first got their start, like Brandy Carlisle used to perform there, wow. I think in like the early 2000s. Um, when I was there, Jaden Grayson was performing and um, someone from King Youngblood. I have friends that, you know, perform there, so... They had, you know, free live music. They also had drag bingo. You know, it was just a community gathering spot. And um, yeah, just a pretty iconic place in Queen Anne. And I think they basically they had to close because their landlord didn't renew the lease, which is something that, you know, we see over and over again. Uh, supposedly, um, the landlord wanted to give the lease to a chain restaurant <laughs> instead. So, wow. I mean, we'll see what comes through. But um, yeah, it definitely was a place that you could feel like the sense of... Um, yeah, community and just access to great live music um, and 
like amazing dedicated staff. So yeah, they'll be missed for sure. Well, you know, once again, you're talking about spaces where musicians are able to get their start. We know Seattle has a unique musical history. Mm -hmm. um, I'm loving that now museums are picking up on a lot of that. I got to see some of that kind of interwoven through Seattle's history at Mohai. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we just had uh, Washington Historical States, Washington State Historical Society on the other day talking about how they do that at the Tacoma History Museum. Mm -hmm. The idea of, uh, you know, our history being embedded in places is real. How do we pick it up afterwards, particularly when you have spaces where, you know, unique music is born, uh, mm -hmm. where fandom can start, right? Like the beginning of people recognizing the, the musical genius of, you know, of another Seattle light and mm -hmm. just come, you know, bond, bonding over that. Mm -hmm. um, that to me is, uh, you know, again, you know, how do you replace spaces like that? I think that's why when I get really excited when I see newer projects from people that do understand that, that are like, no, we're intentional. Like this mm -hmm. is going to be that kind of space. Um, geez, Cindy, bro, <laughs> I'm telling you that that's a tough one. Um, you also got the give in, right? Yeah. Um, so the given that is a they just celebrated their one year anniversary in April. This is a not vanishing space. Um, so it's a, a space for cabaret and burlesque and it's um, run by and produced for um, cabaret and BIPOC and queer performers. Um, they're in a historic space in Ballard in the Crest Building, which I think was built in the 20s. And that was a, a grocery store that operated for about 100 years from the late 1800s up to the 80s. And that Crest Building has been home to um, a variety of cool uh, businesses and theater groups. Bop Street Records was there up until a couple years ago. Um, yeah, so they basically wanted to, you know, have um, like a cooperatively run space where they could produce their own shows. And they started doing that during the pandemic, which was a real gamble, but it, um, it paid off. And so, yeah, you can definitely support them. They've got several shows coming up in May. They also have classes and workshops and they have a community space as well. So just, um, yeah, really awesome to, to see um, them succeed during this time yeah well I, I gotta say you're giving me t-dub vibes over here because <laughs> you are explaining spaces that we get to embark on that really are showcasing the wide breadth of artistry that we have throughout this city and you know burlesque is one of those things that is just an old age old practice but it's so entertaining right and um the idea that you know uh these guys were able to come together in this uh, historic iconic space now that's something we could truly celebrate and a year of you know celebrating a year anniversary through a pandemic is a huge feat mm -hmm. i think it also showcases their connectivity to community because people still showed up and yeah. participated and supported what they were doing which i think is what allows them to even celebrate a year anniversary mm -hmm. so i appreciate you now i got a, a, another reason to go to ballard yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah one of many <laughs> yeah yeah there we go there's a lot of um you know ballard has its own feel and you know I know um, through our work together mm -hmm. talking about, you know, some of that history in Ballard and one of the short films that we did with Vanishing Seattle, you know, I'm not, I, I wasn't born around Ballard. So when I go there, it's intentional. And almost often I'm going to Market Street Shoes when I'm in Ballard. <laughs> <laughs> but 
I will say, um, every time I go, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a place to just explore. You know, walk around, see some of the um, dope restaurants, some of the dope spaces. There's a lot, it feels like to me, mom and pop shops out there, you know, um, owned by local residents. And you gotta love that. I don't mm -hmm. walk around there and see a bunch of chain restaurants. <laughs> and I appreciate that, yeah. especially out in Federal Way where there's just like, mm -hmm. you know, it just mimics every like suburb across America. Mm -hmm. There's definitely an Olive Garden and, you know, <laughs> Which, yeah, I mean, that's, that's fun, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so up next here, oh, you know, one of my faves, man. Tell us about Sneaker City. Yeah, well, speaking of shoes, um, yeah, so Sneaker City, this was, you know, uh, definitely a downtown institution, the oldest mom and pop sneaker shop in Seattle. Um, I think it was founded in, like, the early 90s, in 92 or something. Um, and they were located between that Starbucks and that Hard Rock Cafe that was across from Pike Place Market. Um, so definitely attracted sneakerheads from like all over city, all over the city of the country. Even mm -hmm. um, they carried classics like Converse, but also like customs and limited editions, and you know different colors and stuff you couldn't find anywhere else. Um, yeah, so they basically um, you know had to close because they were priced out. Uh, apparently, their landlord wanted like five thousand dollars more a month in rent. Wow. And I think they were hoping to find another place downtown, but it was just too challenging to find a, a space that was affordable. So um, I think they closed in February or something like that, and they started selling off their inventory online. So you can still, um, I think, get some of their, their uh, shoes and their kicks online. So, But yeah, definitely one that a lot of Seattle folks uh, grew up with. And um, yeah. Sneaker City is going to be missed for sure. It's a tough one, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, my goodness, you know, uh, just talking to Kyle Jaquay here yesterday about, you know, he and his brother being sneakerheads and Sneaker City was one of those spots. We didn't even get into it, but I already know because when you're looking for like unique shoes, that was the place to go. Mm -hmm. And I grew up with two sneakerheads. My two brothers still to this day are like that. I just uh, saw a, a new box of shoes <laughs> my brother uh, just got. And my other brother was, you know, loving shoes so much that he was like, look, I'm going to start reselling shoes. The idea is that, you know, and then my cousin customizes shoes. So I, I'm talking about a, a family of sneakerheads. And Sneaker City was just iconic in that way. The idea that I think we didn't even realize when we were younger that this mm -hmm. was like a unique place, mm -hmm. right? I almost thought it was a chain because it was that popular, mm -hmm. right? So I was like, maybe this is just the downtown location. But I didn't realize that that was a mom and pop operation. And yeah. I think sometimes that's really lost on us. I'm glad that they move, were able to merge to online, but there's nothing like going in that store and being able to try those shoes on, yeah. test out different shoes, see how the unique nature of different mm -hmm. colors and schemes and themes in shoes was going to fit with certain outfits that you had in mind. That was like a whole thing, Cindy. Yeah, it's a very visceral experience. And I mean, they predated Nike Town. I mean, it's, I can't really, it's hard for me to think of, there's not that many places left that aren't chains. Um, and yeah, that experience of going and interacting with other customers and with the staff and with their shop dog, Chewy, you know, <laughs> so it's just, it's, uh, yeah, online doesn't really compare. And I thought my understanding is that after they do um, sell off their inventory online, they're just kind of, I think they're, they're done, but I don't know. I always have hope that places are going to resurface again sometimes, but yeah, online is definitely not the same as the in-person experience. Well, before we get into the next one, I think my, my major question is, you know, 
as a consumer, we can only do so much because it's like, what do we do? Do we flood them with, you know, with uh, orders, you know, um, you know, trying to share what they have going on, um, you know, as a customer and as a patron of their business. But there's also something to be said about how these landlords can get away with something so atrocious, mm-hmm. you know, $5,000 more per month mm-hmm. as an ask and a request, it it seems as though there's a lot of tactics that are happening on that end in terms of real estate that are intentionally pushing businesses out. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you do a lot of this research and understand why uh, businesses and institutions are vanishing, is that one of those themes that you're seeing across multiple uh, properties? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I definitely see patterns and themes pop up and um, rent increases, rent hikes are definitely a big one that prices small businesses out. So yeah, I mean, I think there's multiple ways that people can support just like where they choose to spend their money. But there's also like forces coming down that are kind of beyond our control. And it can be very frustrating because it's like, what are what are the interventions? Um, how can, you know, these commercial spaces and these uh small businesses stay in place when it's just a matter of like money and profit, it seems like. So I don't know. I think some of it is like on the policy level. Mm -hmm. I think there are some cases too, though, where like the public can, you know, put some pressure and attention um, when they see something that they feel isn't right. Like with the case of Scandinavian specialties in Ballard, when they learned that um, that's like the last remaining um, Scandinavian focused retail shop. Um, I think when folks found out that uh, the landowner there was planning on um, uh, redeveloping the site and that they, the business would get displaced. I think folks like contacted the landlord and convinced him to give them some more time. So I think there are things that can be done, but sometimes it's hard to know what the intervention is, um, especially when a lot of it is not very um, transparent yeah. <laughs> or public either. Yeah. So, yeah. This is why I think a lot of people just truly appreciate Vanishing Seattle. I mean, I, 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 for me, I'm always like solution oriented, right? And so immediately I'm like, oh yeah, how do we drum right. up the support to like, yeah. you know, almost like shame this person for how <laughs> yeah. dare you ask Name them 5,000 more, yeah. you know, yeah, right? Like there's something to be said. We've seen spaces be saved because of that, right? Because yeah. the community has come together and unifying their collective voice to say, look, no, you're not going to do this here, mm-hmm. right? But it's also sometimes what's necessary to not only encourage, but also educate some of these real estate developers and owners of these commercial Mm -hmm. spaces um, or apartment buildings, residential spaces that have such a long, strong history in their communities. And I think without the public being able to be aware, as you said, you know, it's not much of a transparent process. And we don't see a lot of business owners, you know, say, man, I'm going to the community. How dare you, right? We, we see them try to figure it out on their own. But I just really wonder about, you know, you talking to you right now, I'm like, man, what is the institute that can just like stop some of this stuff or, you know, really work to educate um, these, you know, developers and property owners to be like, you know, don't just go after profit here in Seattle. You know, we we need to be maintaining certain spaces that are really unique to what we have here mm-hmm. in the Pacific Northwest and uh, understanding that they're beloved spaces. I know there was so much work uh, being done in Chinatown ID. I mean, we, you know, I was there with you. We we're talking about the multiple spaces, mm-hmm. but so much effort to say that just 
stop, you know, just mm-hmm. stop trying that tactic of how you can get more money and understand that you also get to be a part of an amazing institution that has historical ties. So I just, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic in that way. Like, yeah. may, and maybe they would hear that story and be like, well, so what boot out, you know, right. But the idea of really being, um, you know, a collective in community to share, you know, why these spaces are important. I, yeah. I go there. Yeah. And like you said, I mean, I I also believe in people power and I know you've seen it happen and you've been, you know, through your work with King County Equity Now and Africa Town and just been able to push forward so many, you know, transformative, positive things that I think whether it's pressure on developers or elected officials or just, you know, getting more people into positions of ownership themselves and we can kind of redefine like what is it you know, look like to, you know, live together and what kind of community do we want to build? Um, so yeah, I mean, that stuff is hard and it takes time, but I, you know, really do think that it starts with us and the choices we make and thinking outside of this box of like, this is how it has to be, that everything is just always up to the highest bidder. Um, yeah, that, you know, people can, can, can do better and we can, you know, make that change uh, together as a collective. Yeah. And I'm just a firm believer in it. You're right. I've been able to see it happen and take shape uh, and be a part of that. But I I really am a firm believer that it's it's a multi-pronged approach. So maybe it's not just pressing, you know, the, the owner, but it's also, like you said, really building new policy and legislation that won't allow commercial owners to ask for something so egregious, right? Like you don't get to hike up the rent like that. What we're going to be doing is we're going to be regulating the ways that you ask. I feel like it's kind of a free market. It's almost like the wild, wild west. Like, yeah. you know, they, they get to, you know, they get to ask for what they think they can get instead mm-hmm. of it being super regulated. And this is what we're doing here to maintain spaces, um, particularly in commercial properties that really are, you know, become institutions of the community. I could go on and on yeah, and yeah. this with you, but, <laughs> Uh, you know, yeah. just thank you for indulging me for a minute <laughs> no, there. Uh, the, the next one you have up is Yen War. Yeah, uh, Yen War Village in West Seattle. Is that the, <laughs> the shirt? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Yen War Village in the Pagoda Groom, definitely a West Seattle institution, classic Chinese American restaurant and lounge. Um, so they are, you know, sticking around. They're not vanishing, but they're definitely in need of support. Um, yeah, it, it was. Uh, so the restaurant itself goes back. It's been Yen War since I think like the mid '60s, and it's now owned by uh, the Wong family, Wendy and Gary Wong. And um, Gary started as a dishwasher and moved up to head chef, and then became the owner in the '80s. And um, yeah, just a, a karaoke spot, like a really um, fun, diverse cross section of people that come together there. Um, to have fun. They have bingo and trivia and live music. And um, during the pandemic, unfortunately, Wendy and Gary had um, some really serious medical setbacks and were unable to run the restaurant. So their sons, Larry and Isaac, stepped in and have been doing some, yeah, really great, you know, updates to the space, putting some pool tables, um, expanding the space to allow for more live music and events. and their food, their food is amazing. You know, they hand make um, all their pot stickers. Their um, fried almond chicken is legendary. Everything's made fresh to order. It's just such a, um, yeah, such like a, a, a classic, like wonderful, <laughs> like old Seattle dive. Um, so yeah, definitely they could use your support. They've also got um, a benefit show co- coming up on Tuesday on the 17th with Brett Amaker and the rodeo playing. So 
check that out. Um, but yeah, Yen War is one of these spots that we definitely cannot let vanish. Oh, yes. I, you know what? I'm, I'm just like listening to you and I'm like, ooh, another place for me yeah. to go try. <laughs> and especially when you're talking about some really good Chinese food, I'm going to tell you, there is nothing like our Asian infusions here in the Pacific Northwest, particularly in Seattle. Uh, we have some of the best Chinese food ever. And when I go other places, I'm just like, this is not right. This is not right. Like whether it's Vietnamese, Japanese, Chinese, I I enjoy all of it. You know what I mean? Thai food. I mean, I'm telling you, I'm a real fan of it. And so I, I, I feel like I'm a bit of a connoisseur. And I was like, man, am I kind of a snob? Because when I go to other states, I'm like, oh, let me try this fried rice. And I'm like, what are you putting in this fried rice? <laughs> so, so you're giving me another space to try. I so appreciate you for bringing all this to our attention. Yeah, and it's um, Asian American Heritage Month, too. So we've yes. got so many amazing, you know, uh, local businesses to choose from and to go support this month. Um, and especially, you know, uh, API hate, anti-Asian hate is still a thing, unfortunately. So you know, businesses that suffer from that too. So definitely could, um, yeah, use your support in that. And yeah, during this time. And, and you know what, have a good time and get some good food. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's for me, it's not even only about the support. It's about being able to recognize great restaurants, great spaces, right? So it's, uh, it's a both end. And I love that you put that out there because you are right in terms of, you know, us just representing that is where the solidarity comes in. That's where the, I think that community love comes in and the fact that this space has that eclectic audience already mm -hmm. um, in terms of who patrons there, all the customers coming together. I'm looking forward to going there and seeing the new pool tables. You yeah, know, I have to we have a lot of stuff to do together. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Our social calendar's full. You know, see, yeah, you're going to have to remind me too. To, hey, Trey, I'm going to be here tonight and then I'll just have to come out with you and we'll have to make a date of it. I'm so for it. Um, but also you got Cafe Racer right on the list. Yeah, so just to kind of close things out on a uh hopeful positive note um so cafe racer is a place that recently unvanished um they've got a very long history starting out on roosevelt in the u district uh they're open in 2004 and are really a gathering place for um yeah like experimental outsider art and music like vaudeville carnival poetry um dance comics like you name it like really drew a lot of folks and characters from all walks of life whether you were like a punk or a college student or an old hippie, like <laughs> that was a spot. Um, and they, in uh, I think it was 2012, they suffered a really tragic shooting where there were um, several regulars and staff that were um, killed or injured. And they decided to bounce back from that, um, organized a big concert around um, uh, against gun violence. Even though they received hate mail for that, they, you know, continued to persevere. And then in 2017, they were facing closure just from rising costs. And there was a lot of um, street, like city construction uh, going on on Roosevelt. And then they reopened in 2018 under some like longtime customers that wanted to keep it going. And then during the pandemic, um, they had to close. And apparently the landlord wanted full rent during the time. So they just decided to close and try to figure out their next steps. And they pivoted to caferacerradio.com, which is still live and is 24-7, all focused on local music across all genres. Um, and then in September of last year, they were able to open in a new spot, which is the old Barca Lounge, uh, for folks who remember, <laughs> on 11th Ave and Capitol Hill. So they're right next to Vermilion and kind of continuing to hold down that art scene um, on 11th Ave. 
And um, yeah, beautiful space, continuing to have a focus on live artists and um, local music. So definitely, um, yeah, encourage folks to check out Cafe Racer. And it's a, yeah, so some good news <laughs> for once. <laughs> some good news. Yes. You know, we have to have some Feel mm -hmm. Good Friday goodness. Feel Good Friday. Right? Yeah, there you go. Uh, um, I really appreciate all that you bring to to Converge and Vanishing Seattle. Uh, you, you, you know, you care about the city and it's just clear that you do as a, a Seattleite yourself, you, you understand and appreciate our eclectic nature here. Um, and I, I just love it because these guys know I use the word eclectic for them all the time for my weird at night team over there, but it, it's so real and it's so true. Um, you know, I see why we have a lot of musicians who come from across the country to come to Seattle to make their start because we really do have this amazing artist community that is full of commercial spaces, event venues, you know, amazing restaurants mm -hmm. opening themselves to artists, um, you know, a real artist community here. And even listening to you talk about it from like a kind of a property perspective and like these institutions or restaurants and different spaces I'm hearing all of the brilliance that is brewing in these places. And it's just amazing to uh, be to be your friend, to know oh. you and to know that you're doing all this great work. Um, you know, but before I let you go, you guys were also just invited to be a part of a film festival. And I had to have you talk a little bit about that before your outro. Yeah, thanks, Trey. So um, on the uh, 15th. Sunday? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, what time is it? Yeah. What day is it? Where are we? Um, but at the Grand Illusion, there's going to be, um, let me just double check here. Yeah, May 15th at four o'clock at the Grand Illusion in the U District, there's uh, a film festival that both of us are going to be a part of, Vanishing Seattle and Converge. Um, we're going to be showing the Vanishing Seattle film about Hardbooks Hardware, and then also a film that Converge and Vanishing Seattle produced together um, that's about Scarecrow Video. Um, so wanted to kind of showcase some of the, um, yeah, just longstanding businesses and communities and scenes um, in the U District. And it's free. So, yeah, folks would definitely check that out. Uh, thank you so much, Miss Cynthia thank Brothers. You, I so appreciate you for being Likewise. on and bringing us some feel-good news. I mean, some of it we got to understand, you know, places are vanishing, but I love that we ended on such a great note. Thank you for all the effort that you're bringing to Vanishing Seattle and for really being such a beacon um, in terms of uh, that collective understanding for all of us to know what is happening when it comes to all of these crazy changes in our city. Thanks so much. Thank you, Trey. I just so appreciate you as a friend and like a partner in these efforts and yeah, I appreciate you having me on and we definitely got a lot to, got a lot of places to check out yeah. in the next few weeks. So a lot of fun to have. <laughs> yes. <laughs> sure. Well, thank you so much. Oh my goodness, you guys, I'm telling you, I'm already feeling very good. Some great spaces that she just brought to our attention. We want to make sure that we are patrons of our city and that we are pouring into these amazing spaces. Up next, I got Patrick Galactic coming onto the set from Weird at Night. Can't wait to dive into it with him and all things weird. Stay tuned after this short break. You're watching Feel Good Friday. Hey guys, Basil Gordon here. And before heading to Belize, Trey Holiday and I had to make sure we linked up with our good friends over at Market Street Shoes to, of course, grab a few things for the trip. 
from bags to socks, shoes, sunglasses, earrings, and more. Before going on any trip, make sure you stop at Market Street Shoes. Trust me, you'll find just what you need to make your trip not only enjoyable, but fashionable. The breathtaking new musical, Afterwards, is the story of the art we make from the love that shapes us. When three women discover unexpected truths, a dazzling mosaic of intersecting lives reveals itself. Featuring a revelatory and soulful new score. Don't miss the world premiere of this captivating new musical, Afterwards, at the Fifth Avenue Theater, April 29th to May 21st. Tickets at fifthavenue.org. When COVID first hit, I was very afraid. There was so much things that I had to keep inside because I didn't know where to place my feelings. Most of my information for COVID is from my own research. I'm a doctor in educational leadership. And when the FDA approved Pfizer, it helped me realize that the vaccination is healthy. We don't want to be left behind because we're not taking the vaccine. But we want to get as much information as possible so that we are putting ourselves in better hands and not at great risk. I love that little song. Ooh. All right. <laughs> Welcome back to Feel Good Friday. I'm your host, Trey Holiday. And joining me right now is my buddy, Patrick Galactic of Weird at Night. What's up? Trey Holiday. <laughs> Hi. Hey, the best ever. What is going on? I have missed you, my friend. How are you? I have missed you, too. I have missed you, too. It has been a very, very busy time, as you might imagine. Because today, I'm here to talk about the fact that Weird at Night, it, tomorrow... We're doing episode 200. Oh my God. 200 of these things. How do we, that, why? What have we done? <laughs> 200 episodes in. I cannot believe it. What a huge feat. Congratulations to you and the entire team, Patrick. That is amazing. Uh, and I'll just say, and I get to say this uh, almost every Friday when we talk about Weird at Night, you guys really are bringing in such a unique way of production. It is a blend of animation and people and graphics and music and talent. I'm telling you, it is like no other. Um, so, I, I mean, tell us about your excitement for, you know, episode 200. This is huge. Well, thank you. And uh, really, uh, kind of want to jump off something Cynthia was saying from Vanishing Seattle, talking about Cafe Racer, mm -hmm. a venue that pivots to becoming a radio station so that they maintain that relevance and maintain that connection with their audience. That's what I did, basically. Mm -hmm. I was a musician. And then this pandemic happened, and I'm like, the music industry doesn't even exist any right now. I need to do something else or I'm going to go crazy. And that was when I saw a broadcast of Blazing Space's 2021 Space Odyssey remix that kind of mixed all these visual... Uh, abstract visual images with clips from 2021 space odyssey and um i was like that's what we need we need abstraction we need to stop trying to explain what's happening and just embrace the confusion and that's kind of how weird at night got going my goodness, I'll say, you know, as you started, I, I don't know that you imagined being at episode 200. It's one of those things where every episode you just are creating what you feel to create. Right. And the ways that you've built this community of weird at night. Mm -hmm. Um what an amazing crew you have. I mean, you guys got some great things coming up too. Tell us about, uh, you know, th there's some history here. I know you mm -hmm. want to dive into some mm -hmm. things. I'll let you take it away. Yeah. So uh, basically, 
you know, Weird Night started with just me talking to a camera. I didn't even have a green screen in the first episode. And uh, we'll, we'll dig into that in just a second with the clip here. But uh, just every single episode focusing on just improving one thing, finding one thing to make better instead of all the things, trying to fix all the things at once. We focused on one thing at a time. And with that one, one thing at a time approach, we have built into something really beautiful to where now we have this entire cast of characters that's diverse and uh, with so many different perspectives to bring to the table. And now we have this incredible crew of people who help us make this show and have really made it what it is. It's, it's gone far beyond what I alone bring to the table. I've got to say, um, not only am I really excited because Weird at Night is super dope, but of course, you know, I've got to be featured a couple of times. And I got to say, I've had so much fun with the scripts and the voiceovers and <laughs> connecting with your team. I tell you, I'm like, this is a whole series, right? There is a whole community that's like, oh, my God. Yeah. You know, these mm -hmm. characters, the way that you guys have built it is uh, for me, it's just top notch, Patrick. And, you know, kudos to you uh, for the history that you have. You do have some clips you want to uh, lead into for us well and speaking of history <laughs> uh you set it up perfectly trey and i think now would be the right time to play this little history clip we just happen to have here of weird at night freed from the shackles of time and space we present weird at Hey everybody, I'm Patrick Galactic and you're watching Weird at Night. I really should have listened to that wizard. You gotta be careful with this vortex stuff. It's just, it's just really hard to control. I couldn't tell if his body was covered in fur or if he had just gotten uh, covered in hair. You know how you roll around in hair when you're sticky and gets stuck to you. No one escapes the chamber of self-discovery. They just find themselves and I designed it for that. I am the queen of everything, including design. I have dubbed the device Utopia. Working title. Oh my god, it's the Goblin Bird! Took you long enough to find me! Oh god, Steve, it's a pterodactyl with mommy issues. Not, I can't even contain myself. I love it so, so much. I love it so, so much. It is beyond. I mean, you guys are some real comedians in the building. Well, you know, I, I'm very lucky to have a lot of talented people working with me to make this so much funnier than anything I could have ever dreamt up on my own. But uh, we have such a good time with it. Um, and it's a way to get this community of people interacting with the show. And some of the people who, you know, came to the shows just, they just liked it. Uh, they liked watching it. Now they're characters on the show and they're, 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 they're part of the show. And we have a very active community. So uh, something that I kind of wanted to update you on because you were there <laughs> is the events of Waste Dump 69, where essentially I threw, uh, mistakenly, it could happen to anybody. I mistakenly threw a radioactive burrito into a portal <laughs> and uh, it created a uh, universe destroying radioactive burrito that my cousin was going to use to destroy us all until Dartone the third saved us all. <laughs> but because we have such a loyal and dedicated community, we've also got a loyal and dedicated community of conspiracy theorists. <laughs> 
who now think that it wasn't actually Dartone who saved us all. It was the spectacle bear, which do you see a bear here? Oh my Trey? goodness. I, I don't, I don't see the bear. I don't, I don't see a bear. I, you know what, what audience, you got to let us know if you see the bear. We don't see the bear There's here. There's no bear here. What's up with this spectacle bear anyway? I did see you with an actual bear on your lap. Now he's gone into the Waniverse, apparently. That, well, 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 yes. I mean, that 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 could that could be. But clearly no bear here, right? No and, bear. And so, well-meaning as they may be, you know, people get a little carried away with the creativity, you know, just that that that's fine. But we have a very active community, which is fortunate because we have a lot of community activities. Uh like we do an auto write every single episode where uh, we encourage people to kind of uh, release their thoughts and uh, write whatever comes to mind in the chat and kind of tr it's an exercise to help people trust their unconscious creative process. And uh, we do, we do have a clip of that. Oh, let's see that. Yeah. Alex F and V, but don't you even think about telling me you would meet a whole pigeon in a park because I know you're lying, you fool! I hope you think about what you've done when you're rolling in a vat of roly polies and eating jello hot dogs. That's what you get when you let your heart win. Whoa! If life was a Paramore song, well, it already is. Haley Williams can ruin my life and I'll be fine with it. That's my cousin, everybody, Alex F and V, the uh, absolute queen of the auto right. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna tell you right now i just can't get over the creativity of weird at night you know what it's beyond for me and it, it i love the name weird at night because that's exactly what it is i mean you got to tell us how you came up with the name i don't know if i ever asked you that patrick <laughs> well uh it's a funny story and it's a complicated story so i'll try to explain it as simply as possible one night i was sitting on my couch and I thought, what if we called it weird at night? And then I looked and literally no one had ever thought of that before. It was the biggest universal kismet of all time. I'm like, it could it be that easy? So I got weirdatnight.com. I got weirdatnight at gmail.com. Every social handle we have is just weird at night. Nobody had ever thought of it before and I couldn't believe it. So uh, it, it was just like this universal good fortune because it's so simple. Weird at night. It says exactly what it is and uh, kind of helped tell us what it was supposed to be, too. Well, you got to also tell me, because with such a, a strong concept and this collaborative community of creators that you have there, Triple C, for all you Weird at Night fans out there, <laughs> uh, uh, tell us how, uh, you know, the rest of the ethos is kind of taken to Weird at Night, because there's people, I think, tuning in from all over because mm -hmm. you guys are really creating something that's super unique, mm -hmm. but it's also probably inspiring to a lot of other creatives out there. Mm -hmm. Tell us about the, how that's kind of moved around in terms of your audience. Yeah, well, you know, in the beginning, we would have people kind of during the pandemic when that was kind of the biggest driver of our audience, really. Uh, we would have people kind of uh, check in with us for a while, maybe get some inspiration, and then they'd like kind of shuffle off and do their own thing. And then over time, we started bringing more people in uh, that we liked working with, and they have kind of folded Weird at Night into their other creative endeavors. So uh, somebody like Freddie Dalmastar, who we showed earlier, uh, as Mandolin Ravage, who created Utopian. Um, Freddie is a performer, uh, a drag performer, and a very, very good one. Amazing voice. Uh, somebody who we've shown on the show a bunch, 
And every time Freddie's on, everybody gets so excited because the energy is so good. The love is so strong from what Freddie does. You just feel it come through the screen. And then Freddie is a character on the show as well, playing this character, Mandolin Rivage, who tragically became a goblin bird. <laughs> but, um, but so essentially, yes, we do. Uh, we've kind of folded, figured out a way to corral that creativity to where we get to, we get to experience a little bit of it ourselves in a collaborative sense where we work with those people directly, but we also just get to celebrate their art. And these are people we believe in so much and they believe in us so much. And we feel this love back from them so hard. I mean, it's unlike anything I've ever experienced in my life. It's the most therapeutic experience I've ever had, really, is I put out this love. This love is returned to me from the community and from the creators and from all these people. And then I just put it back out and they give it back and we keep doing it. It's this exchange that's absolutely beautiful. But I do want to say one thing. Weird at Night simply would not be what it is without my producer partner, Blazin Space. And tonight, Blazin Space is going to be performing live in Fremont as part of the Fremont Art Walk for Monster Planet's Art Guac event. Art Guac event. That's at monsterplanet.tv. I will even be joining Blazin Space for about 20 minutes as part of the live performance. So please come hang out with us from six to nine at the Art Guac event in Fremont. Um, I would be nothing without Blazing Space. Where did night would be nothing without Blazing Space? I'm the one sitting in this chair, but Blazing Space easily should or could be. And I just want it to be made very clear. This is a two-person operation, and uh, I couldn't have ever done any of this without Blazing Space. Uh, you know what? You are right, because Blazing Space literally is the one that does all the communication mm. for us, brings us all together. Come on over here, Blazing yeah, Space. Yeah, that's Come right. Come on over here. Get Blazing Space. That's right. Get Blazing Space out oh, here. Oh, my goodness. Bring in Blazing the love. Space Bring in the doing love. amazing things yeah, yeah. and always looking very right. Look, he got the Converge on. We got weird at night. Uh, yeah, that's uh, you're right. so ready. That's uh, right. You know, so he was just giving you a good shout out here. I want to make sure that you tell the people why they need to come and see you at Art Guac. Ooh, well, at Art Guac, we're showing off tons of stuff. Patrick talked about <laughs> that uh, movie remix that inspired Weird at Night that was done in 2020. So we did 2020 A Space Remix. But you're going to see an Akira remix, a Gravity remix. We did Tron. Also, just all the visuals I've been creating and VJing for the last seven years. And I'll be collaborating with Monster Planets, DJs, Don and Brevin. So it's going to be it's going to be a great time. And you'll see Patrick sing um, okay. has a beautiful voice and I'll get to do my visual thing behind them. So it's sort of like the collaboration that started Weird at Night when we started working together almost a decade ago. We get to come put it on display live tonight from 6 to 9 p.m. at a Monster Planet headquarters, which is right near the Nectar Lounge as a part of the Fremont Art Walk. Oh, my gosh. Blazing Space in the building doing great things. Thank you, Blazing Space. We appreciate you. That was a hell of a promo, kid. Oh, <clears throat> hell of a was, promo. That was great. Well, you know, I got to say, as we close in on this hour, I just appreciate you both. Um, I, I mean it from the bottom of my freaking heart. You guys are phenomenal as a team. What you guys have done with Weird at Night. You guys know anytime y'all need me, I am there. I am so there. So thank you for sharing your talent with the rest of us. Thank you so much for, uh, you know, guiding this amazing team, working with your partner and doing phenomenal things. I'm so glad that you guys are here with us on Converge as part of our Converge Media family. Y'all rock. Thank you so much. It's our extreme honor to be here. And uh, yeah, I'm so excited for 200. I hope y'all join us 
tomorrow, Saturday at 10 p.m., we got Weird at Night, episode 200, with a double feature showing of 2021 Space Odyssey, a remix by Blazing Space. There it is. There it is. Look, he did the promo for me, y'all. So I don't even got to tell y'all. Y'all know where to be tomorrow night at 10 p.m. right here on Converse Media. And, of course, Sunday night at 8 p.m. Get Truly Unruly with the True Fonts on their show right here at 8 p.m. on Sunday. So glad to have y'all with us. Thank you so much for joining me. And for me, always see yourself as a part of the solution. Be inspired by Cynthia Brothers and by Patrick Galactic and Blazing Space and the ways that they are seeing themselves as a part of the solution. And of course, we get to be rejoined with Omari on Monday at 11 a.m. And until then, go forward in your purpose, go forward in your humanity. See you Monday at 11 a.m. Peace. Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.